the first Whole Life Podcast, and we are coming up on finishing our fourth year of podcasting. So those of you who are here... Has, you... has anybody ever heard our podcast? <laughs> All right. Who in the room has been on the podcast? Seven people. Who's been on the podcast? Everybody. Oh, okay. Everybody that's heard the podcast. (laughs) And you are the only ones in the congregation. (laughs) So, in in all seriousness, though, in that time, we've had almost 17,000 listens to our podcast over that time. And we haven't gone outside the walls with it, which uh, Tony is going to help us do that. And as we come into year four... And then a sneak peek into something that most people don't know is the message series are now going to be online as a podcast starting at year four. Mm. So those will intertwine. So hopefully those will come out on Tuesday and those will be available to listen to and then following up with our podcast as you normally would on Wednesday. And so before we get started, as always, we will have prayer and then we'll get started. Father God, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for a beautiful weekend and for Carla for being here and for the opportunity to get together as a community, as a church family, and to worship you and to think about you and to investigate who you are more deeply. We thank you for Carla's message, and we pray always that the words that we speak and the words that you've prepared in our heads, our minds, and our hearts come from the Holy Spirit into the ears that need to hear them and are interpreted in a way that they will draw them closer to you. Amen. 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 Okay, so um, normally we have a little introduction. We're not going to do that today, and we're not going to look back at last week because we just don't care because we are at church retreat. So we can do whatever we want. It's our prerogative. And Carla, if you wouldn't mind, I know that the message is going to be online for people to see, but give us a... give us a Tell us a story. Tell us a story. <laughs> Jeff stole my thunder. Jeff, Jeff stole my thunder. That's perfectly all right. I was like, tell that us a story. Is great. So, so what I would say is that the most important thing we have in life is threefold, and it's three P's, right? It's person, people, and place. And when we, if we ever come to a, a place or a point where we're missing all three of those, it's a completely immobilizing space. Is Absolutely. what I was trying to say, and but the second part to that is once we realize that what that space looks like, rightly understood and dealt with, it it moves away from being dust or a bad part of us to to being a part of us that can actually be creative and move and dance. So that was the. How did I do? How was that? That was good. That was perfect. <laughs> Great summation. That's a good church story. Would, church, would have been very, church would have been a lot shorter if you'd done that. <laughs> I didn't get lunch today. You know what I mean? That's great. Oh, dear. I, I like the fact that as soon as you started last night and we talked about David and Absalom, in, I, I think anytime you start with the story of David or pick apart any piece of it to use, you're on the right track because after all of the... Any part of that story, David makes so many horrible mistakes in his life, and yet at the end of it, he is still known as a man after God's own heart. Right. And I'm always like, well, then there's hope for Randy, because I'm at least as bad or worse than David was, and so maybe there's hope for me at the end of this. What about that story do you feel like resonated the most with your idea of rising from the dust? The piece of it, I think 
that resonates the most, but it's the hardest, is when Joab, of mm. all people, he is not the one you would want to have to go talk to a father <laughs> king. I mean, he yeah, isn't. Absolutely. But when he's the one that goes and says, David, we got some serious talking to do here. You've got to get up. Uh, that is so moving to me. Maybe that, the bravest man in the whole story. Who, want, who wants that job? Who wants to go there and give the news and considering the state of mind that David's in anyway? Right, because Joab is not the leader that David is. <laughs> right, I mean, exactly, you know, yeah, exactly. I, I mean, you think of who my boss is. And I imagine myself, and and there's still a bigger difference, but imagine myself going to a Terry Shaw and saying, "Come on, guy, you you know, (laughs) got to get up." (laughs) I can't even imagine that. So Job had a really hard task. And by the way, I've got the worst news in the world for you, but well, that comes that comes later, right? Exactly. Well, no, he he already knew it. Already knew it. Yeah, yeah. that's tough. Either way you look at it. Yeah. The thing that resonated this morning that I think we, I mean, we all know it whether we choose to put it into practice or whether we think about it a lot, but you said you can't always have it under control. Yeah. Why? Why can't I? <laughs> I want it under control. Of course, of course. Because we, you know, I think it's a human tendency, right? We, our human nature says, let the good parts show and hide the bad. Mm. And and so shame then, which accompanies the bad, is that piece that doesn't want for anyone to know about it. So so it's just human nature. It's like Adam and Eve, you know, suddenly when they knew that they were mm. naked, they had to cover up. And so we're doing that all the time. I've got to cover this piece up when, when it's... The part that makes us human, it's, it's the part that's out of control that actually is the most beautiful part. It's, it's the part that's lovable. The perfection isn't as lovable, right? It just isn't. And it's not, as, it's not very much appreciated oftentimes in a more behavioristic faith group like Adventist, um, you know, because we, we expect a certain level of behaviors among each other because they have all these rules and expectations. And so we don't oftentimes value the woundedness or the, or the error or the, or the mistakes as we should and, and street, sort of strive for this perfectionistic aura that isn't mm-hmm. real mm-hmm. But, uh, and, and not helpful to anybody either. You know? <laughs> but it, there is a pressure and a shaming to sort of open that up. And, and we talked about this morning at the uh, Cup of Joe and uh, the, the, just being real, how valuable that is in the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, was, I was thinking about that from the standpoint of uh, for those of you, by the way, that are listening, this uh, talk is going to be archived. We're going to have this. This on will our, be online on the website? Yeah, this will be online so that you can okay. go back and listen to the talk. But one of the things that I noticed is that you, you, your first story about the radio station, the one that we were just talking about when we opened, um, is that you, you left. The, you, you didn't want to see anybody see you cry. Mm-hmm. And you left. And I'm, I'm curious as to why is it about that? You know, Andy mentioned just, just now, but why is it about our, sometimes even our vulnerability, what is it about that that makes us just want to hide that and not let people into that reality? The, the part that I didn't share today was that there were years between that radio station scenario and when I understood what was going on. Years. Mm-hmm. 
so so I leave crying, you know, because I can't figure it out. And and when you have something that is hitting you not slightly deep, but just to the core of your being, and you don't know what it is, it's frightening. And so it wasn't until years later when some friends were wanting to take a walk, and I said, could I just stay back? And um, I don't know if you know him, Clarence Schilt said, mm. of course, you're introvert. And I was like, no. <gasps> <laughs> and then there's that, that flooding awareness <laughs> That something that's just been said is true. That's a weird moment. Mm. And so there were years between those two. Well, it seems like the fact, a big part that plays into it is we don't like anyone to know our stuff. I thought the way mm-hmm. that you used the Facebook pictures this morning of your family, yeah. this beautiful view of your you know, your little worship window in California and your family, beautiful family, everyone smiling, everyone, you know, arm around <laughs> each other. And then you said, you know, one person in this picture is dealing with breast cancer. One person is dealing with prostate cancer. And you you forget that what the part of your world that I think subconsciously, we, that's what we want to put out there. We always want to put, oh, this is a really good picture. And and sometimes for the right reasons we want to do it. Look, at I, this person is special to me. I want this good picture of them and me together on there out for people to see. But I think we also then sometimes put that on ourselves and say everything's okay. Instead mm-hmm. of being more transparent and reaching out to someone in our church community that has our best interest at heart more than likely, and we probably have at least one or two people that'll do that, why do we just hold that in when like, this revelation happened because someone was honest with you and just said, you know why this is, right? And you're like, no, I don't. Really, tell me. And then it's like, <laughs> oh, oh. It seems like we would be faster to realize a bunch of things or help someone else that was in that same position, but it doesn't seem natural. It seems so, so difficult. And I don't, is it just pride? Is it? Well, we don't know how to be with each other. I think, I mean, what do you all think that mm. because the minute, like the minute you say something like I have cancer, let's say that, I mean, I sure. don't, but let's say that's it. You tell someone you have cancer the next time they see you, you might be out at the picnic or whatever. Oh, how's that cancer? Oh Yeah. <laughs> What is that? <laughs> so because people don't know how to be with each other, we have to protect ourselves. So I don't think, as certainly my sermon was not about, oh, just tell everything. Sure, no. I mean, yeah. we don't want to just overshare Mm-mm. either when, because I think you don't want to open yourself. Like, like you said, like every conversation you're going to have with that person from now until eternity is, hey, how's the cancer coming? Exactly. You know, how are you feeling? More so than it has to be with someone that really knows you. Right. Yeah, I like that. But I think we have to be transparent, though, in our journey and what we're struggling with. Otherwise, I think we, we also run the risk of being so far secluded from everyone that we feel like we don't have anybody to talk to. And maybe we have one or two really close that we trust. But then on that side of it, what if that's the only opinions we ever get and we don't see that other side because we're, we're protecting ourselves? There's got to be some balance, right? I think, I think that's part of what Job or Job, uh, Joab does in this story hmm. is because I think there is this balance. And David actually makes mention of this. There's a time for this. There's a time for that. And Job, Joab is coming in with that, now, David, this is your time to practice what you preach, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think he's giving that. And even though it sounds pragmatic, and he does the very pragmatic thing mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. this whole story, um, but it's, a, it's also the piece that creates the most anguish for, for David. But 
you know, I do think that that side of this is that that all of us have to live in those polarities of life where, you know, I don't, I'm not always over here, but I'm not always over here either. And I try to make life work in that balance. Well, you know what, in our work, lots of people share with us Mm -hmm. their journeys and, and they oftentimes are in rough spots when they share their stories with us and those sharing of their stories and their, and their trials or challenges never have ever made me think less of them. You know, it's, mm, in fact, like it's, it's in the it's in the sharing of that story that it's like, oh, okay, we're on the same page here. We're mm-hmm. we're we're both broken people, and now let's talk about that and see how we can work through it. And as opposed to, well, now you shared your story, you're just a you know scumbag kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, that's not the case at all. It's, it's it's actually an enriching thing. And I think if we could remember that that we help people through our brokenness more than we help people through our strengths. Mm-hmm. And so that, it's, that shared, it's that shared life, the, our shared humanity, not trying to be somebody we're not, is where we can really connect with people best. Mm-hmm. Well, now I know if I come to Andy with a problem, he doesn't think I'm a scumbag. That's <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. I, I, I feel better about that already. Well, first of all, we all understand how scummy we are. Yeah, that's right. But a lot of times there's healing in that too, in the fact that there is a sense of thinking that I'm the only one that does mm-hmm. have this. And, yeah. and when all of a sudden there is this universality of pain and suffering as well as the, the debauched life that I feel mm-hmm. like I'm in that as soon. And, and I love how, you know, and when I go to Andy and we're talking about different things and he goes, you know, that's just somebody is not in touch with their human depravity and we all <laughs> are there. And when we understand that, that I think it does free us up to be a little bit more vulnerable. I loved what you just said about being in touch with your, you said depravity, but just being in touch, mm-hmm. being genuine. I'll never forget, uh, if I can talk about my husband for a second, <laughs> one of the early things that happened while we were dating, I say to him, do you like my perfume? And he said, no. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. What? But it was the joy of truth telling. Mm -hmm. There is a really deep joy in truth telling, honesty, genuine. Okay. Well, let's, I mean, we talked a little bit before we started recording, and um, my heart lands with a lot of people that have been, maybe they're still Christian, maybe not. They've been hurt mostly pretty badly by the church. A lot of them don't go to church. Many of them have turned their back on God. How do we tell people that are in or reach out to those people? How do we interact with them when we, we, we talk about this and being vulnerable, being transparent, and helping them? How do, we, how do we do that in such a way where we don't feel like we're preachy, but we're honest, we're transparent, we, we're, we're you know putting the olive branch out, so to speak, how do we do that so that we're attracting people? Because that's who we're, I mean, right? We're, Jesus came to heal the sick, not the healthy. How do we do that as an, just an average person? Or how do we do that better as a church community? So, Randy, you made the mistake of telling me a little bit about your life just before the <laughs> <Yeah>. podcast. <laughs> and I think, I don't know, but maybe of the three of us, you're kind of in a, sp- in a space where you're, you're talking to people on both mm-hmm. sides. What would you say? You know, I think... That's good. You give him some questions. Too. Give That's him some... Yeah, no, I, I'm usually like that. Randy has yeah. to answer yeah. something. Usually I'm not in the answering. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of people that, in like I was sharing with you, that from my long ago past, um, 
they'll say three things if they connect with me on social media. They'll say, first off, I can't believe you're alive. Mm-hmm. Um, two is, you're a Christian? Mm-hmm. And then three, you're still an Adventist? Mm-hmm. Like, what in the world could possibly have made the person that I know be this person? And then, you know, you do, you do the pleasantries mm-hmm. back and forth. You get reacquainted. You do all those things. And then they say things like, man, you really got your stuff together in other language. They really, you know, and the first time I, I told you I was, I, uh, my first sermon I ever was asked to preach was on uh, David and Bathsheba. And um, they were, we were s- scrolling my social media feed, which was a big mistake, uh, at church beforehand. And someone put up a, <clears throat> a word like, what kind of a church do you go to that would allow someone like you to preach in a very... Uh, a, a word that shouldn't have been on the screen. We had to pull that down. Luckily, no one had gotten there yet. And um, and they all think that because, I don't know if they think it's because you're a Christian or that you're still going to church that somehow you're better or that you think you're better. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, I don't, I don't think I'm any different than you. I still sin the same way as you. I still think probably in a lot of ways the same as you. I just, I just don't want to do this anymore without relying on God. So you can. That's a huge difference, isn't it? It's, <laughs> I mean, it, it's just a difference that, I mean, honestly, life is hard enough to have to do everything in as it is. And then if you, if you think about it and you're like, well, I'm just going to ignore God and try to do it myself. I mean, I did that for a long time and it wasn't, life was a whole lot worse then and now. So I don't, I don't know if I have all the answers, but I think, you know, just trying to be on the same level and to not judge where they're at or what they think. You know, if you're, one one of my friends, he's a he says he's agnostic. I don't believe him because of the conversations we have. So I'm like, you don't sound like an agnostic to me. I think you still believe everything that you have believed for a long time. You're just choosing not to believe, which is fine. I mean, that's not a that's not a it's not a judgment call on my part. That's not my mm-hmm. job. Mm-hmm. So you know, for me personally, I just think it's planting seeds wherever the Holy Spirit allows, and then just getting out of the way and letting Him do the work. I would say I hate that phrase try to. I hate I hate it. You don't try, you just be. Mm-hmm. Just be. And, and this idea that, that I'm going to like help someone be a Christian or help someone be an Adventist or yeah. no, I want them I want to just live my life and have someone say I want to know the God she knows, yeah. or I want to be in a space of health like like she's experiencing, um, because then you're just being friends with people, and they want to join you in that. Yeah, being being a healthy human is much better than trying to be an unhealthy God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we are, God created us as humans, and we need to fully embrace our humanity and, and recognize that that's who we are, and and just enjoy it and relish it. Yeah. It doesn't require any preaching, right? I mean, it doesn't require you really sticking your nose in anybody's business. It doesn't require anything other than living the best you know how the way God is leading you. And that's maybe the most unobtrusive way to do it. All right. Anyone have any questions based on what you heard today, what you just heard now, what you want, what you didn't hear, what you thought you were going to hear? Yeah, just come up to the mic. And um... Denise. Denise. Yeah, oh, we're okay. on. All right. So I'm fascinated with the dust thing, so I'm kind of obsessing about it a little. So let me just scat on that for a little bit, okay? So the first thing is, um, I think 
if you read Ann Voskamp, she's in her Thousand Gift book, she's into that dust, right? And how we're supposed to be grateful for it. And I love that idea because it's fascinating to look at it, but then it represents a lot of dust in our life. But yet we're thankful for being able to dust a house because we own a house, okay? So I was kind of torn in your talk, Carla, about are we the dust or is the stuff we're in the dust? So that's my first part of my question. So maybe speak to that and then have a second part. So what we're in and and what we're made of are sometimes the same things. So I would say that it's a it's a bit of both, but but the dust is the it, to me is the stuff we think we should put away. Mm. I'm saying you don't put away the dust, you transform the dust. Mm. So my being an introvert is is just something that has to be transformed or it incapacitates me. And the transformation is that I understand it better, not that I become an extrovert. It's that I get what it is. And that becomes the dust that's dancing rather than something I'm trying to pull out of. Hmm. I like that. So then, if I can, a second part. Absolutely. So... So I was thinking about dust as stuff that was dragging, like especially the Burn the Ships song. Um, It's just kind of the stuff that you're trying to rise out of, which is the title of your talk, right? Stuff that you want to leave behind. And so I think there's a big difference between rising out of it and dancing in it, which is kind of mind-blowing if you think about it. It is. Because like coming out of the dust is is a lot, you know, because you have to come out of it, but then to dance in it. And Andy and I are obsessed with this book called The Great Dance by C. Baxter Kruger. And so that, that that idea of, especially for Adventist dancing, right? That's a whole other issue. But um, <laughs> so I, I just think that that the idea of dancing in the dust is just takes it even to another level. So maybe you could speak between the difference of yeah. rising and dancing yeah. in it. Well, the story, right, is the ships. The ships brought them to where they are. These are the ships of Cortez, apparently, the ships that they came. But they, they don't want to go back. That's why they want to burn the ships, supposedly is that they don't want to go back to where they came from. But that doesn't change the fact that the ships got them there. So so when you think of all the things you carry, they may not be the best things, but they got you where you are. And so they make up your story. And and you don't want to lose that. No matter whatever it was, it's what has created the contours of your being. So that's why I think you, you, when you rise up, it means you understand those contours and you dance with them, transforming them, but you don't leave them behind. The, the, yeah, you, you create a new story with them. You create a new story with yeah. them. Yeah. Well, and I think it also lends credence to like, the people that you may have known prior. If you leave it all behind, you become someone that they can't relate to. I think if you leave every, every last thing, I mean, obviously we can leave habits, addictions, things like that we want to leave in the dust. But yeah. the experiences of those that we take from those, there's something in that experience that only you can help someone with that's, that has the same, that's going through the same struggle that you but do. Randy, I, I would say that you actually can't leave even those things behind. No, you behind don't totally leave them behind. Because no. it's your story. The yeah. story of when those things captured you and ran your life, you carry that. Right. And, it, and it, it's part of who makes you who you are. That's right. Yeah. It, it's, it's, the, it's the, I mean, we think about our childhoods and we all go back and think about, oh, you know, this bad thing or this good thing or happened. You know. And the reality is, is that we can, we can hold on to negatives 
and whine about them, or we can say, wow, what, right. whatever combination of those negatives they were turned me out to be this, mm-hmm. and, and this is a good thing. And right. so it, it, to be able to dance in the dust. Mm-hmm. And there's also a strength, too, though, yes. in, in, in the whole thing, because burning, the ma- making that decision, it, I mean, there's always this doubt. We always have doubts about, am I really where I'm supposed to be? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so making that decision to say, I am not going to, to turn back. I am not going to look back in that way. Mm-hmm. Right. I can look back in another way, but this decision brings strength. The other one brings that side of you that does sort of spiral. And, and all, all history is is things in our past we give attention to. And so when, when this bad day happened and this horrible experience happened in my life, other things happened that day as well. And so what do I choose to give attention to? Uh, it also reflects how the story gets told and, and, how, I, and how, I, how I couch it. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And, and, and Denise it. is right. I mean, there is, it, there's a big difference between <clears throat> rising and sure. dancing. Because now my... Dancing's I, more fun. It, it is more fun, <laughs> but it also is a decision. Yeah. Because yeah. now I need to decide what I'm going to do with my present and right. the future. Absolutely. Anybody else? John, it looked like you were going to move last time, and then Stephanie was going to crawl over you to get out to the mics. So, yeah? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, very gracefully, I might add, but it looked like you were going to go. So anyone? Absolutely. Kim. Ste- Jim, step up. Hey, Kim. Hello. I'm just wondering, as you look back on your life and you think of things, stories, negative stories, how do you? How would you recommend you deal with regrets? Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> I learned that from Bob Newhart. Uh, oh just man! Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> now we're really aging ourselves. Oh man! Yeah. I, it's, I think part of it is is frameworks and intentionality. In other words, I have I have regrets. I think about. I won't tell them right now because that wouldn't be appropriate. Um, but but when you re- when you reframe uh, a regret, you can you can just put it in a new place. So I have this regret. I can't go back and undo it. How does it in, how does it now going to influence what I'm going to do in the future? As opposed to just wallowing in that past piece. Uh, I, I think we ought to take all regrets and past pieces and use them as tools for the future versus places to just get stuck in the past. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> he, another psychologist piece, knows more. another piece to that is I, I look back there's a there's you know there's different things that will bring regrets you know the reminders of failures and a lot of times we uh, and I, I really appreciate what you said um, earlier in terms of sometimes when we when we're rising when we look at this uh, this piece is that there are other pictures besides the present, the one that we think everybody, that we're presenting. There are other pictures to that. And Daryl mentioned this morning, there's also sides to us that we keep hidden because we don't like it. And when we look back at our story, those, those things come up and sometimes they can be so paralyzing that it becomes literally painful to move forward. And I, re- I remember one time I was... Actually, I was, it was a literal voice that I heard inside my head saying, you've suffered enough for that. <laughs> you have gone wow. through enough pain for that incident. You don't need to have it 
coming anymore. So I think sometimes, uh, just like reframing, but also literally taking the time to make a, a physical, matter of fact, sometimes it's just literally saying it out loud, I've suffered enough for that mistake. Well, we talked about it, Jeff, self-compassion. Yeah. The whole yeah. aspect of, yeah. of uh, what's her name's book on self-compassion. That, that's another thing we can do about our, our, some of our regrets is to, is to reframe them. Think about if someone else was telling you your regret, mm-hmm. how would you counsel them? And, and do that self-talk to your head versus, versus the self-talk we'll give ourselves, which is pretty well, de- defeatist usually. Because we do the same thing with the self-talk that's bad. Yeah. We listen to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so why don't we just start making other self-talk yeah. that actually counters that and says, okay, I'm going to start giving that more, yeah. f- you know, more food. I ask myself, is there anyone I need to apologize to? Because mm-hmm. usually if you have a regret, it's sometimes that you've hurt somebody. And sometimes I've hurt people that I wasn't even aware of. Oh yeah. So I'll ask the Lord, tell me, is there someone that I need to apologize to? Um, the second thing is I ask myself if there's something I need to change within my behavior. Mm-hmm. And that's hard because sometimes mm-hmm. there are changes and they're hard to make. And then finally, I ask for that still small voice to talk to me as I know it does. And it sounds like this. You're forgiven. <laughs> nice. You are forgiven. Mm-hmm. What did you, you're forgiven. And then you can also ask, is there anybody who should be apologizing to me? (laughs) (laughs) Good luck. (laughs) Let me get my list and start scrolling through who those might be. That's another disorder. Right, that's a whole other one. (laughs) Stephanie comes to the mic. Thank you. So the, you were mentioning this is the inaugural podcast yes. for Whole Life Church. For Whole Life Church, correct. And your discussion has made me reflect on that name, the new name of oh. our community. Oh. And so I'm wondering if you could speak to, I think you've spoken really beautifully to how this works, dancing in the dust, what it looks like for an individual. Do you mind reflecting maybe in the context of that new name, what dancing in the dust looks like on a community level? What does it look like when a community dances in the mm-hmm. dust in Excellent. that same way? I like that. Leave it to Stephanie to ask. That's a good question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so. <laughs> wow. That's the difficult one, right? Because as an individual, you can go back to your, your home and work it out. Make a call. You're done. In a community where memory is long, not short, mm-hmm. uh, that is much more difficult. And, and I think that has to be prefaced by a community that loves each other well. Otherwise, that's not possible. Uh, Because when difficulties come, they fracture. And if if people aren't saying that to each other, I'm sorry, I accept, you're forgiven, then you've got fracture. And then that takes a lot of time to, to heal. So what I love about the Whole Life Church name is it's not just a name, it's identifying. I mean, I'm coming late into this game. You all chose a name that reflected who you are, not who you want to be. And so that yeah. makes, puts that in a different space, I think. But I think it, the, in our church specifically, and I, I'll just speak from someone who moved here from someplace else. I mean, I lived in Wisconsin for 30 years. We moved here, and one of the first places because of family that we went was the hospital church. And we didn't stay. It, it, wasn't, it just wasn't the place that we felt at home. And we looked everywhere, honestly. And we were, I think, six months 
without a, a church home. And we ended up um, somewhere else and for 13 years. And so we've been coming here for about five years. And I think the difference is I couldn't t- put like one thing and say this is something that has been done better. But it's an overall feeling when you come for – it started with VBS. So no one else was doing VBS close. And so uh, when we came, uh, my oldest said, Dad, the coolest people were at VBS today. Hmm. She's like, all the teachers were so cool. And she's like, nobody made bad faces at Emily. She's like, nobody. And she's like, they took care of her. They loved her. They hugged her. They watched her. They like, you know, cause she takes off all the time and she's going to be a handful. And like right away, she was like, this is, she's like, we should go to church here. And I was like, ah, well, I don't know if we're going to go to church here or not. And then, you know, we, we kept coming and we would, you know, here and there, we kept coming and coming, but it was that initial feeling and it's continued to grow. And I just feel like this whole, our community as a whole really has an interest in being whole life church in the way that we've envisioned it. And we talk about this on the podcast a lot that letting people know what you're about from the front in message and in, in the way things are done, the way you approach your community and being involved and, you know, giving, you know, bringing people into a lifelong friendship with God. It does. It's not just lip service. It becomes part of your culture, and it becomes part of who we all are. And you don't want to leave that. You want you want more people to come and experience it. You just said it. I remember once I came. I got all dressed up, and I came to the church, and nobody was there. And then people started <laughs> arriving in jeans. I was like, "What is with this church?" And you had all been out in the community, and I think that is a key, Stephanie. Yeah. When you're focused. When I hear that a church is trying to figure out how to grow for itself, that's one level. But when you hear that a church is focused on how can they be so that they can help a community, that changes the church, the contours of the church. It it, it was not an easy – it was not an easy – conclusion to come to. It's interesting, bet, when we yeah. when we were working on our vision statement to be a church without walls, fully engaged in serving the people of our community, there was a lot of pressure um, in, a, in that meeting to, to make it about us, you know, about some, some of our growth for ourselves or that people would come to our church or, you know, and I, I said, we've got, we have to make this about people out there, yes. not about people in here. Yeah. And yeah. so to be a vision of church without walls, that's out there. And then to serving the people of our community whether they become part of our church is not even part of the conversation. It's our responsibility and our privilege to be able to serve them, and then God can do whatever He wants to with that. You know? And when and when you when you are served, you it just makes you feel it makes you feel whole. Like you don't like that's part of me. This is who I want. This is who I want to do life with. I think I go back to your skit, uh, the scripture reading, I should say. Um, <laughs> that was great. It was wonderful. Nothing, nothing like careful handling of the Holy Word of God. And, um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's my wife. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> I love uh, it. My wife, when she was writing that, I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be fun watching Stephanie pull this off and, and Craig. Yeah. And, uh, and yet... In that sketch, or in that scripture, the forgetting part, you know, and you said the community has a long memory. They really do. Mm -hmm. But it has a longer memory when you take yourselves really seriously. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think that's part of the 
I think that's part of. We don't do a lot of things. We do, you know, we do some things really good. We don't do a lot of things. Other things we do, we mess up on. We do. We sure. just mess up. Well, I think I think but it, we don't take ourselves seriously. No, I think that's really important. And part of your answer to your question is is, we, is to be a church that says if we're going to be a whole life church, and and how does the church dance in the dust? And that is to take God very seriously mm-hmm. and ourselves not so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, forgiveness. That's serious. 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 Yeah. That's serious. I'm sorry a lot. Yeah. 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 All right. Anybody else? One last call. John, there we go. Thank you to Stephanie for moving it to the corporate because I, I, I just wasn't brave enough to do that. So I appreciate that. Um, and as we think, what I'm really thinking about is the burning of the ships. And I just, I love that image. You know, they, they had to burn the ships, cut off their way back in order to move forward. Had to happen. So thinking of it corporately, I'm thinking of us as a community, perhaps us as a denomination, perhaps us as a larger body of Christ representing Christ on earth. Are there some ships we need to burn? Mm-hmm. What, what might those be? I'll let you go. <laughs> oh, man, I know one immediately. Um, one, I think a ship you have to burn if you're going to be a community is that you simply don't talk about the other members of the community in negative ways. Amen. It just can't, just shouldn't ever happen. And me, for me personally, I've made a rule in my life that I've actually been burned by, and that is if I ever speak against someone, I have to go then tell them that I have done that and what I have said. I had to do it twice, and then you learn. <laughs> you learn real fast yeah. because it is not easy. No. But negative things that we say about each other have a long life, a very long life, because we tell them in secret. And it hurts those people in the community for a long time because they can't counter it. So I think that's one ship that just has to be burned. Mm. If we could burn that one, that would be, that would be great. Mm. All right. I think that's it. This has been a great discussion that piggybacked off of uh, Prudence and Noble last night that uh, that got everything started, <laughs> and, and Craig and Stephanie this morning, and of course, you, the talks and, that we had both last night and today, thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I, I think I need to say one more thing about burning some, burning some things that John just brought up. Burn it. I, I think we have to burn a, a, a pride of rightness. Um, because I think oftentimes, especially in my growing up within our denomination, there, there can be this unholy pride of being right. And and I think if you can, if we can lay that down, it allows us to be in greater fellowship with the rest of the body of Christ. It, It can purify us from this very unhealthy kind of a prideful thing to just, just lay down, burn that ship of, I have to be right. Um, because we're wrong about a lot of things. <laughs> and we're not quite sure maybe all what we're wrong about, so let's just be humble about it, right? Okay, well, that's it for episode 196. Next Wednesday, a week from this coming Wednesday, what's up on our agenda, Jeff? Do you know, Andy? Do we know what's next? Uh, uh, yeah, we start a new series uh, next Sabbath. It'll be on the Sabbath. <laughs> it's a whole series on Sabbath, five sermons. Uh, we start with the origins of Sabbath next week. Hmm. And then I think the meaning of Sabbath the next week, and I forget what. Eventually, the last one is actually shocker of shocks, the eschatological implications of Sabbath, which hmm. is going to stretch me beyond my comfort zones. <laughs> right. Good luck. Excellent. All right. Well, don't forget to join us next week. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. Hey,
Oh, yeah, we're all done. I, I, Those were great questions. Thank you.